Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canadians elect another liberal minority government. You are sending us back to work with a clear mandate to get Canada through this pandemic and to the brighter days ahead. My friends, that's exactly what we are ready to do. Aaron O'Toole vows to keep building the Conservative Party. We must continue this journey to welcoming more Canadians to to take another look at our party. More people voted for Canada's Conservatives than any other party, and that's a strength to build on. And after only small gains, the NDP's Jagmeet Singh promises to keep fighting. We're going to continue to fight for justice for the first people of this land. Indigenous communities that continue to be denied basic human rights, clean drinking water, adequate housing, we are going to continue to fight for you. It's Tuesday, September the 21st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories this morning and the results of yesterday's election. We're joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Welcome to Groundhog Day, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's be really explicit where, where things stand at the moment as we're talking on Tuesday morning. Uh, there isn't a single party who won three more or three fewer seats than they did in the last election in 2019. The maximum number of seats changed compared to the results of the 2019 election is two. So I don't think it's possible to come closer to replicating the results uh, in successive elections than than as what's happened here, right? Yeah, it's like the whole country got shaken up and thrown into a photocopy machine. Yeah. <laughs> we came out with the same thing. I I actually, when I got up this morning, I had to write it out just to, to sort of, so I could believe what I was seeing. And it's, uh, you're right, it's, uh, it is virtually identical to yeah. the 2019 election results. What does that mean then, ultimately? So I'm going to say in the large scale, it means, I, I wouldn't say that this election meant that anybody was happy with the way politics worked. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think it it's telling them uh, to get their act together and and work together, and that probably the Canadian population has seen enough change through the pandemic, through all of their lives, that they didn't have the time to sort of reconfigure their parliament too. But certainly. Uh, there is not one leader, one party who can walk away from this election thinking that they gained or got what they wanted or that they made a case for their growth to the um, to the population out there. It's There's lots of little things happening underneath the surface here, that some good news, some bad news for the various parties, and, and some things that, you know, we're going to have to be watching. But, um, but I think this was... A message from a tired nation, we've had enough change. Stop talking to us about change and get your act together, but they're in Ottawa. Yeah. And and let's talk about it uh, sort of party by party, but uh, I think you're right, and we'll come back to the little things you refer to as well, but um, if you're 
the Green Party, the NDP, the Conservatives, the Bloc Québécois, no significant gains. Um, uh, Green Party leader Annamie Paul lost her bid to be elected in Toronto Centre, uh, finishing fourth from what we can tell at this point. Um, so no big kind of wins for any of the opposition parties, so no great satisfaction there. Um, no breakthrough for the People's Party of Canada, despite a significant increase in the popular vote. So no MPs, and Maxime Bernier lost his riding. Um, and for Justin Trudeau, he, uh, you know, I think there will be liberals who will say this is a better result than we feared a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But it's still not the majority Justin Trudeau wanted. And maybe we can start with Justin Trudeau and the liberals, because there will be people who will say... Uh, their share of the national vote went down. They won a government with only 32% of the popular vote, which is the lowest in Canadian history for a party that won an election. And I think the question will be, while Justin Trudeau can continue to be prime minister for now, can he run as liberal leader in another election? Is there a reason to believe he could grow that vote after it's gone down in successive elections for him? Yeah, that's a, that I think, you know, those questions are going to be asked. Nobody, on, you know, the day after an election is going to talk about tossing Justin Trudeau out. Um, and I still think he's probably earned the right uh, to decide on his own when he leaves. But one would think he's, he's looking at the signals. He, you know, he always wanted to be the opposite of Stephen Harper. Stephen, and he is in terms of election growth. Stephen Harper built bigger and bigger wins. Uh, he went from small minority to bigger minority to yeah. a majority. Uh, Trudeau has gone the opposite direction. Huge minority. Majority. I, I yeah. don't... A majority, yes, and to a minority. And then I, I, I don't know whether this one is actually smaller or uh, just kind of the same. Um, but it's certainly... It, it's the voters telling Justin Trudeau Okay, you're you're the prime minister, but we do want you held in check too. Where is the opportunity to to make that bigger? You would think after a pandemic, uh, in which most people give him good marks for the government's handling of the pandemic, he did not do as well as certainly liberals hoped. Um, so yeah, there will be that discussion. I wrote uh, yesterday that. I, I really got struck when I was thinking about it, about how leader-centric the election was for all of them. You know, that yeah. um, how much Aaron O'Toole, you know, he put his own face on the platform. And that uh, his constant refrain through the campaign was, I'm the leader. And whenever he was faced with, you know, some bit of trouble, it was, you know, don't worry about um, social conservatives in my caucus because I'm the leader. Uh, and so on and so forth. And... Jagmeet Singh ran an entire campaign based on likability of himself. And it, it, it seems how the steps for these, these times, you know, where we, um, I wouldn't say we're in populist times, but we certainly aren't in deferential to leader times. And all of the campaigns, yeah. it, was, it was really striking how much they revolved around the leader. That's a really interesting point, because other than Christia Freeland uh, getting in trouble with uh, Twitter at a, early in the campaign, I can't think of another time when anybody other than the party leaders was a story in this campaign, basically, right? Other than exactly. the occasional, yeah. the occasional this candidate, uh, you know, said something and is or or something surfaced in their past, those little blips. But 
but uh, the, the leaders were front and center throughout the campaign. Um, what about for Aaron O'Toole? Um, I think people in the early weeks of this campaign, uh, a lot of people felt he was running a positive campaign, a successful campaign. He was making progress. But the end result is no gains for the conservatives. Um, and there will be conservatives who will say that he took the party in the wrong direction, that this this move towards the center uh, exposed the party uh, to uh, losing votes to the People's Party of Canada, and it didn't work. So what does that mean for Aaron O'Toole, and what do you think it means for the future of the Conservative Party? Uh, are there going to be people saying, we need to go back towards the right? There certainly will be. I, I, if anybody didn't see it, Aaron O'Toole's speech last night was uh, the oddest concession speech I have ever seen, I think, on an election night. He basically uh, acted as though the election hadn't happened. Uh, it, you know, I, I was shaking my head. He he was, uh, it was like a stump speech. And there was no, you know, um, I offer my congratulations, the voters have spoken, anything. There was not a single bit of concession in the speech, um, which tells, it seemed that the reaction outside seemed to be that he started fighting for his job before the, the uh, polls even closed uh, last night, that uh, that the uh, the lack of support uh, or the, you know, if, if he couldn't knock out Trudeau this time, you're not going to be able to again. I, I would be of the view that he probably earned the right for a second chance, but um, clearly he thought that he had to use his speech last night to argue why he's going to be fighting the next election campaign. He even said it in his speech. You know, we could have an election anytime soon, uh, I'll be there fighting Justin Trudeau. And it, it really was the, the whole Groundhog Day experience of this campaign extended to his speech. It was uh, the bloc leader, uh, Yves-Francois Blanchet, he also had that, that kind of tone too, which is mm. this campaign was just a pause uh, and in business as usual. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Susan, you mentioned uh, that while the big things all stayed the same, there were some little things that changed. Did you want to touch on a few of those yeah. that are noteworthy? Yeah, I, I think uh, definitely. I, I don't have I don't have the final counts on whether it was one or two, but it does look like the Liberals won seats back in Alberta. Given all of the attention on Alberta in the past week in this campaign and, and the, the trouble that Jason Kenney's been having, the, um, the, you know, the result of the last election when the Liberals were shut out of the West, that's definitely an interesting development and it allows uh, Justin Trudeau to put Albertans into his cabinet. I believe he's still shut out in Saskatchewan, but, uh, but the, uh, I think it's George Shahal and Brandy Boissonneau. Those are uh, Calgary and Edmonton seat. When I went to bed last night, we were looking very mm -hmm. good for the Liberals. Um, the PPC vote, as you say, they didn't get a seat, but they did take away uh, from the Conservatives. And, you know, something's going to happen with those protests, those ugly, ugly protests that we saw in this campaign. I don't know where it's going to land, but I think that's interesting. Uh, we also saw some cabinet ministers losing. Uh, Miriam Monsef. Uh, Bernadette Jordan uh, and Deb Schulte, I believe, who's uh, north of Toronto, the seniors minister. Um, so, you know, three women 
uh, gone. Uh, one of the jokes that's going around uh, social media and the commentary, uh, the commentariat, uh, this is a $600 million cabinet shuffle. Right. That happened yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but, but yeah, there's uh, some holes in, in Justin Trudeau's cabinet that he's going to have to fill. And with the Green Party made um, uh, an opening in Kitchener. Right. That, uh, that a, a Green Party win in Ontario was a big deal when it happened at, you know, Queen's Park yeah. a couple of years ago when uh, Mike Schreiner, the leader, is, got elected in Guelph. And now not far away in Kitchener, we have Mike Morris, a Green uh, MP from Ontario, the first ever. So that's that's sort of interesting news, too. All right, Susan, I appreciate you getting up early this morning after a long night uh, to chat. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Um, but uh, this was an election that produced a very, very similar result to the last one. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see that and, and uh, to watch what it means uh, as the parties return to Parliament in the, in the weeks ahead. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. You are sending us back to work with a clear mandate to get Canada through this pandemic and to the brighter days ahead. And my friends, that's exactly what we are ready to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach writes that if this election was a test of leadership, everyone failed. Urbach writes... None of the front-running candidates in this election campaign ventured to engage with challenging ideas or dared step offside of politically advantageous positions. That bodes poorly for whatever faith the public should have in the capacity of the next government, whatever its specific composition might turn out to be, to capably deal with whatever crisis comes next, be it climate change or an aging population, or another pandemic, just as long as the tough but necessary decisions risk political penalty. Indeed, if this election was a test of leadership, of who among the leading candidates had the safe hands to make the tough calls when the stakes are high, none of them passed, even though one of them won. In an editorial, the Toronto Star considers the message that voters have sent to party leaders. The Star writes... The electorate appears to have returned a new parliament that looks an awful lot like the old one. And if the parties know what's good for them, they'll make it work. After this exercise, the public will have zero appetite for another campaign for a long time to come. Any leader who toys with the idea of calling another election before it's absolutely necessary will be punished severely. The people have spoken. They've told all the parties and leaders to make the best of the hand they've been dealt. Go back to Ottawa, and this time... Make it work. In the National Post, Chris Selly argues Aaron O'Toole campaigned well, but it wasn't nearly enough. Selly writes, For many conservatives, seeing the back of Justin Trudeau would be a very shiny silver lining. But schadenfreude is a long way from power. If Aaron O'Toole's centrist, socially liberal message and relatively positive campaign can't even best Andrew Shear's poorly reviewed performance in 2019, it must raise existential questions for the party and its various factions that will no doubt be litigated in the coming weeks and months. In an editorial, the Ottawa Citizen argues, for voters, the job's not over. The Citizen writes, Don't be cynical about Canada's election, even if the results seem like we're stuck in the mud. 
For all their undeniable imperfections, our major party leaders still ran serious and clean campaigns. Voters responded by telling them they'll have to work together like adults. But we need to keep pressure on our MPs so they resist complacency. It's the task of MPs to hold government accountable. It's our duty to make sure they do. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, September the 21st. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca today for continuing coverage of the results of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say today and every day for the rest of the week at 12 Eastern Time on CPAC. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.